Sweat by Zora Neale Hurston. It was 11 o'clock of a spring night in Florida. It was Sunday. Any other night, Delia Jones would have been in bed for two hours by this time. But she was a washwoman, and Monday morning meant a great deal to her. So she collected the soiled clothes on Saturday when she returned to clean the things. Sunday night after church, she sorted them and put the white things to soak. It saved her almost a half day's start. A great hamper in the bedroom held the clothes that she brought home. It was so much neater than a number of bundles lying around. She squatted in the kitchen floor beside the great pile of clothes, sorting them into small heaps according to color and humming a song in a mournful key, but wondering through it all where skies her husband had gone with her horse and buckboard. Just then, something long round limp and black fell upon her shoulders and slithered to the floor beside her. A great terror took hold of her. It softened her knees and dried her mouth so that it was a full minute before she could cry out or move. Then she saw that it was the big bullwhip her husband liked to carry when he drove. She lifted her eyes to the door and saw him standing there bent over with laughter at her fright. She screamed at him. Skies! What you throw that whip on me like that? You would know it would scare me. It looks just like a snake, and you know how scared I is of snakes. Course I know, that's how come I done it. He slapped his leg with his hand and almost rolled on the ground in his mirth. If you such a big fool that you gotta have a fit over an earthworm or a string, ah, don't care how bad I scare you. You ain't got no business doing it. God knows it's a sin. Someday, I'm going to drop dead from some of your foolishness. Another thing, where you been with my rig? Ah, feeds that pony. He ain't for you to be driving with no bullwhip. You show is one aggravated nigger woman, he declared and stepped into the room. She resumed her work and did not answer him at once. I done told you time and time again to keep them white folks clothes out of this house. He picked up the whip and glared down at her. Delia went on with her work. She went out into the yard and returned with a galvanized tub and set it on the wash bench. She saw that Skies had kicked all of the clothes together again and now stood in her way truesently, his whole manner hoping, praying for an argument. But she walked calmly around him and commenced to resort the things. Next time, I'm going to kick him outdoors, he threatened as he struck a match along the leg of his corduroy breeches. Delia never looked up from her work, and her thin, stooped shoulders sagged further. I ain't foe no fuss tonight, Skies. I just come from taking sacrament at the church house. He snorted scornfully. Yeah, you just come from the church house on a Sunday night, but here you is gone to work on them clothes. You ain't nothing but a hypocrite. One of them amen quarter Christians sing, whoop, and shout, then come home and wash white folks' clothes on the Sabbath. He stepped roughly upon the whitest pile of things, kicking them pelter-skelter as he crossed the room. His wife gave a little scream of dismay and quickly gathered them together again. Skies, you quit grinding dirt into those clothes. How can I get through by Saturday if I don't start on Sunday? 
I don't care if you'd ever get through. Anyhow, I done promised God and a couple of other men I ain't going to have it in my house. Don't give me no lip either, else I'll throw him out and put my fist up the side yo head to boot. Delia's habitual meekness seemed to slip from her shoulders like a blown scarf. She was on her feet, her poor little body, her bare knuckly hands bravely defying the strapping hulk before her. Look at here, Skies, you done gone too far. I've been married to you for 15 years, and I've been taking in washing for 15 years. Sweat, sweat, sweat. Work and sweat. Cry and sweat. Pray and sweat. What's that got to do with me? He asked brutally. What's it got to do with you, Skies? My tub of suds is filled to your belly with vittles more times than your hands has filled it. My sweat is done paid for this house, and I reckon and can keep on sweating in it. She seized the iron skillet from the stove and struck a defensive pose, which act surprised him greatly coming from her. It cowed him, and he did not strike her as he usually did. Now nah, you won't, she panted. That old snaggletooth black woman you running with ain't coming here to pile up on my sweat and blood. You ain't paid for nothing on this place, and I'm going to stay right here till I'm toted out foot foremost. Well, you better quit getting me riled up, else they be toting you out sooner than you expect. I'm so tired of you, I don't know what to do. God! How I hate skinny women. A little awed by this new Delia, he settled out of the door and slammed the back gate after him. He did not say where he had gone, but she knew well. She knew very well that he would not return until nearly daybreak also. Her work over, she went on to the bed, but not to sleep at once. Things had come to a pretty pass. She lay awake gazing upon the debris that cluttered their matrimonial trail. Not an image left standing along the way. Anything like flowers had long ago been drowned in the salty stream that had been pressed from her heart. Her tears, her sweat, her blood. She had brought love to the union and he had brought a longing after the flesh. Two months after the wedding, he had given her the first brutal beating. She had the memory of his numerous trips to Orlando with all of his wages when he had returned to her penniless, even before the first year had passed. She was young and soft then, but now she thought of her naughty, muscled limbs, her harsh, knuckly hands, and drew herself up into an unhappy little ball in the middle of the big feather bed. Too late now to hope for love, even if it were not Bertha, it would be someone else. This case differed from the others only in that she was bolder than the others. Too late for everything except her little home. She had built it for her old days and planted one by the tree and flowers there. It was lovely to her. Lovely. Somehow, before sleep came, she found herself saying aloud, Oh well, whatever goes over the devil's back has got to come around under his belly. Sometimes, or rather, skies like everybody else is going to reap his sowing. After that, she was able to build a spiritual earthworks against her husband. His shells could no longer reach her. Amen. She went to sleep and slept until he announced his presence in bed by kicking her feet and rudely snatching the covers away. 
give me some cover here and get your damn foot solver on your own side. I ought to mash you in your mouth for drawing that skillet on me. Delia went clear to the rail without answering him, a triumphant indifference to all that he was or did. The week was full of work for Delia, as all other weeks, and Saturday found her behind her little pony collecting and delivering the clothes. It was a hot, hot day at the end of July. The village men on Joe Clark's porch even chewed cane listlessly. They did not hurl the cane knots as usual. They let them dribble over the edge of the porch. Even conversation had collapsed under the heat. Here come Delia Jones, Jim Merchant said, as the shaggy pony came around the bend of the road toward them. The rusty buckboard was heaped with baskets of crisp, clean laundry. Yep, Joe Lindsay agreed, hot or cold, rain or shine, just a regular as day. Weeks roll round, Delia carries them and fetches them on Saturday. She better if she want to eat, said Moss. Sky Jones ain't worth the shot and powder hit it would take to kill him. Not to hurry, ain't. He shall ain't, Walter Thomas chimed in. It's too bad, cause she was a right pretty little trick when he got her. And I'd have married her myself if he hadn't beat me to it. Delia nodded briefly at the men as she drove past. Too much knocking will ruin any woman. He done beat her to kill three women, let alone change they look, said Elijah Mosley. How Sky can stomach that big black greasy mogul he's laying around with gets me. I swear that eight rock couldn't kiss a sardine can I done thrown out the back doorway. Aw, she's fat, that's how come. He's always been crazy about fat women, put in Merchant. He'd have been tied up with one long time ago if he could have found one to have him. Did I tell you about him coming sliding around? My wife bringing her a basket of pecans out of his yard for a present? Yeah, my wife. She told him to take him straight back home because Delia worked so hard over that wash tub, she reckoned everything on the place tastes like sweat and soap suds. I just wish I'd caught him around here. I'd have make his hips catch on fire down that shell road. Ah, I know he done it too. I see him grinning at every woman that passes, Walter said. Even so, he used to eat some mighty big hunks of humble pie to get that little woman he got. She was as pretty as a speckled pup. That was 15 years ago. He used to be so scared of losing her, she could make him do some parts of a husband's duty. They never was the same in the mind. There ought to be a law about him, said Lindsay. He ain't fit to carry guts to a bear. Clark spoke for the first time. Tain't no law on the earth that can make a man be decent if he ain't in him. There's plenty of men that takes a wife like they do a joint or a sugar cane. It's round, juicy, and sweet when they gets it. But they squeeze and grind and grind and ring till they wrung out every drop of pleasure that's in them out. When they satisfied that they is wrung dry, they treats them just like they do a cane chew. They throws them away. They knows what they's doing while they's at it and hates themselves for it. But they keeps on hanging on after her till she's empty. Then they hates her for being a cane chew and in the way. We ought to take Sky and that stray woman of his down in Lake Howell Swamp and lay on the rod so they can't say lords of mussy. He always was an overbearing nigga, but since that white woman from up north done teached him how to run an automobile, he done got too biggity to live and we oughta kill him, old man Anderson advised. 
A grunt of approval went around the porch, but the heat was melting their civic virtue, and Elijah Mosley began to bait Joe Clark. Come on, Joe. Get a melon out of there and slice it up for your customers. We've all suffered with the heat. The bears done got me. That's right, Joe. A watermelon is just what I need to cure the epiduchus. Walter Thomas joined forces with Mosley. Come here, Joe. We all steady customers, and you ain't set us up in a long time. I choose that long, bow-legged Florida favorite. A god and be dough. You all give me 20 cents a slice away, Clark retorted. I needs a call. Slice myself. Hey, everybody chip in. I'll lend you my meat knife. The money was quickly subscribed and a huge melon brought forth. At that moment, Skies and Bertha arrived. A determined silence fell on the porch and the melon was put away again. Merchant slapped down the blade of his jackknife and moved toward the store door. Come on in, Joe, and give me a slab of so belly and a pound of coffee. Almost forgot twas Saturday. Gotta get on home. Most of the men left also. Just then, Dahlia drove past on her way home as Skies was ordering magnificently for Bertha. It pleased him for Delia to see. Get whatsoever your heart desires, honey. Wait a minute, Joe. Give her two bottles of strawberry soda water, a quart of parched ground peas, and a block of chewing gum. With all this, they left the store, and Skies reminded Bertha that this was his town, and she could have it if she wanted it. Men returned soon after they left and held their watermelon feast. Where does Sky Jones get the woman from know-how, Lindsay said. Over a popka. Guess they must have been cleaning out the town when she left. She don't look like a thing but a hunk of liver with hair on it. Well, she so can squall, Dave Carter contributed. When she gets ready to laugh, she just opens her mouth and latches it back to the last notch. No old grandpa alligator down in the lake belly got nothing on her. Bertha had been in town three months now. Skies was still paying her room rent at Della Lewis, the only house in town that would have taken her in. Skies took her frequently to Winter Park to Stomps. He still assured her that he was the swellest man in the state. Joe, yo king can have that little old house. Soon I can get that woman out of there. Everything belongs to me and you sure can have it. Ah, sure abominates a skinny woman. Lordy, you sure is got one portly shape on you. Yo can get anything you want. This my town and you can sure have it. Delia's work-worn knees crawled over the earth in Gethsemane and up the rocks of Calvary many, many times during these months. She avoided the villagers and meeting places in her efforts to be blind and deaf, but Bertha nullified this to a degree by coming to Delia's house to call Skies out to her at the gate. Delia and Skies fought all the time now with no peaceful interludes. They slept and ate in silence. Two or three times Delia had attempted a timid friendliness, but she was repulsed each time. It was plain that the breaches must remain a gap. The sun had burned July to August. The heat streamed down like a million hot arrows, smiting all things living upon the earth. Grass withered, leaves browned, snakes went blind and shedding, and men and dogs went mad. Dog days. Delia came home one day and found Skies there before her. She wondered, but started to go on into the house without speaking. 
Even though he was standing in the kitchen door and she must either stoop under his arm or ask him to move. He made no room for her. She noticed a soapbox beside the steps, but paid no particular attention to it, knowing that he must have brought it there. As she was stooping to pass under his outstretched arm, he suddenly pushed her backward, laughingly. Look in the box there, Delia. I done brought you something. She nearly fell upon the box in her stumbling, and when she saw what it held, she all but fainted outright. Sky! Sky, my God! You take that rattlesnake away from here. You gotta! Oh, Jesus, have mercy! I ain't got to do nothing of the kind. The fact is, I ain't got to do nothing but die. Ain't no use putting on airs making out like you scared of that snake. He's gonna stay right here until he die. He wouldn't bite me because I know how to handle him. Know how he wouldn't risk breaking out his fangs getting your skinny legs. Nah now, Sky, don't keep that thing round here to scare me to death. You knows I'm a fair to even earthworms. That's the biggest snake I ever did see. Kill him, Sky, please. Don't ask me to do nothing for you. Going around trying to be so damn astaparious. Nah, I ain't gonna kill it. I think a damn sight more of him than you. That's a nice snake and anybody don't like him can just hit the grit. The village soon heard that Skies had the snake and came to ask questions. How the hen fire did you catch that six-foot rattler, Sky? Thomas asked. He's full of frogs, so he can't hardly move, that's how. I eased up on him, but I'm a snake charmer and knows how to handle him. Shucks, that ain't nothing. I could catch one every day if I wanted to, too. What he needs is a heavy hickory club leaned real heavy on his head. That's the best way to charm a rattlesnake. Nah, well, y'all just don't understand these diamondbacks like I do, said Skies in a superior tone of voice. The village agreed with Walter, but the snake stayed on. His box remained by the kitchen door with its screen wire covering. Two or three days later, it had digested its meal of frogs and literally came to life. It rattled at every movement in the kitchen or the yard. One day, as Delia came down the kitchen steps, she saw his chalky white fangs curved like scimitars hung in the wire meshes. This time, she did not run away with averted eyes as usual. She stood for a long time in the doorway in a red fury that grew bloodier for every second that she regarded the creature that was her torment. That night, she broached the subject as soon as Skies sat down at the table. Skies, I want you to take that snake away from here. You done starved me, and I put up Witcher. You done beat me, and I took that. But you done kill all my insides bringing that vermin in here. Skies poured out a saucer full of coffee and drank it deliberately before he answered her. A whole lot of care about how you feels inside and out. That snake ain't going nowhere until I gets ready for him to go. So as far as being is concerned, you ain't took all that you gonna take if you stay around me. Delia pushed back her plate and got up from the table. I hate you, Skye, she said calmly. I hate you to the same degree that I used to love you. I took and took until my belly is full up to my neck. That's the reason I got my letter from the church and moved my membership to Woodbridge. 
so I don't have to take sacrament with you. I don't want to see you around me at all. Play around with that woman all he wants to, but go away from me in my house. I hates you like a suck egg dog. Skye's almost let a huge wad of cornbread and collard greens he was chewing fall out of his mouth in amazement. He had a hard time whipping himself up to the proper fury to try to answer Delia. Well, I'm glad you does hate me. I'm so tired of you hanging on to me. I don't want you. Look at your stringy old neck. Your raw bony legs and your arms is enough to cut a man to death. You looks just like the devil's doll baby to me. You can't hate me no worse than I hates you. I've been hating you for years. Yo old black hide don't look like nothing to me but a passel of wrinkled up rubber with your big ol' yes flapping on each side like a pair of buzzard wings. Don't think I'm to be running away from my house neither. I'm going to the white folks about you, my young man, the very next time you lay your hands on me. My cup is done run over. Delia said this with no signs of fear and skies departed from the house, threatening her, but made not the slightest move to carry out any of them. That night he did not return at all and the next day being Sunday, Delia was glad she did not have to quarrel before she hitched up her pony and drove the four miles to Woodbridge. She stayed to the night service, Love Feast, which was very warm and full of spirit. In the emotional winds, her domestic trials were born far and wide so that she sang as she drove homeward. Jerd and water, black and cold, chills the body, not the soul, and I want to cross Jordan in a calm time. She came from the barn to the kitchen door and stopped. What's the matter, old Satan? You ain't kicked up your racket? She addressed the snake box. Complete silence. She went on into the house with a new hope in its birth struggles. Perhaps her threat to go to the white folks had frightened Skies. Perhaps he was sorry. Fifteen years of misery and suppression had brought Delia to a place where she would hope anything that looked towards a way over or through her wall of inhibitions. She felt in the match safe behind the stove at once for a match. There was only one in there. That nigga wouldn't fetch nothing here to save his rotten neck, but he can run through what I brings quick enough. Now he done toted off nigh onto half a box of matches. He done had that woman here in my house too. Nobody but a woman could tell her how she knew this before she even struck the match. But she did, and it put her into a new fury. Presently, she brought in the tubs to put the white things to soak. This time she decided she need not bring the hamper out of the bathroom. She would go in there and do the sorting. She picked up the potbelly lamp and went in. The room was small and the hamper stood hard by the foot of the white iron bed. She could sit and reach through the bedposts, resting as she worked. I want to cross Jordan in a calm time, she was singing again. The mood of the love feast had returned. She threw back the lid of the basket almost gaily. Then, moved by both horror and terror, she sprang back toward the door. There lay the snake in the basket. He moved sluggishly at first, but even as she turned round and round, jumped up and down in an insanity of fear, he began to stir vigorously. She saw him pouring his awful beauty from the basket up onto the bed and then seized the lamp and ran as fast as she could to the kitchen. 
The wind from the open door blew out the light and the darkness added to her terror. She sped to the darkness of the yard, slamming the door after her before she thought to set down the lamp. She did not feel safe even on the ground, so she climbed up in the hay barn. There for an hour or more, she lay sprawled upon the hay, a gibbering wreck. Finally, she grew quiet, and after that, coherent thought. With this, stalked through her a cold, bloody rage. Hours of this, a period of introspection, space of retrospection, then a mixture of both, out of this awful calm. Well, I done the best I could. If things ain't right, God knows it ain't my fault. She went to sleep, a twitch sleep, and woke up to a faint gray sky. There was a loud, hollow sound below. She peered out. Skies was at the woodpile demolishing a wire-covered box. He hurried to the kitchen door but hung outside there some minutes before he entered and stood some minutes more inside before he closed it after him. The gray in the sky was spreading. Delia descended without fear now and crouched beneath the low bedroom window. The drawn shade shut out the dawn, shut in the night, but the thin walls held back no sound. That old scratch has woke up now. She mused of the tremendous whir inside, which every woodsman knows is one of the sound illusions. The rattler is a ventriloquist. His whir sounds to the right, to the left, straight ahead, behind, close underfoot, everywhere but where it is. Woe to him who guesses wrong, unless he is prepared to hold up his end of the argument. Sometimes he strikes without rattling at all. Inside, Skies heard nothing until he knocked a pot lid off the stove while trying to reach the match safe in the dark. He had emptied his pockets at Bertha's. The snake seemed to wake up under the stove and Skies made a quick leap into the bedroom. In spite of the gin he had, his head was clearing now. My God, he chattered, if I could only strike a light. The rattling ceased for a moment as he stood paralyzed. He waited. It seemed that the snake waited also. Oh, for the light. I thought he'd be too sick, Skies muttered to himself when the whir began again, closer, right underfoot this time. Long before this, Sky's ability to think had been flattened down to primitive instinct and he leaped onto the bed. Outside, Delia heard a cry that might have come from a maddened chimpanzee, a stricken gorilla. All the terror, all the horror, all the rage that man could possibly express without a recognizable human sound. A tremendous stir inside there. Another series of animal screams, intermittent whir of the reptile. The shade torn violently down from the window, letting in the red dawn, a huge brown hand seizing the window stick, great dull blows upon the wooden floor, punctuating the gibberish of sound long after the rattle of the snake had abruptly subsided. All this Delia could see and hear from her place beneath the window, and it made her ill. She crept over to the four o'clock and stretched herself onto the cool earth to recover. She lay there. Delia, Delia, she could hear Skies calling in a most despairing tone as one who expected no answer. The sun crept on up and he called. Delia could not move. 
Her legs were gone flabby. She never moved. He called and the sun kept rising. My God, she heard him moan. My God from heaven. She heard him stumbling about and got up from her flower bed. The sun was growing warm. As she approached the door, she heard him call out hopefully. Delia, is that you in here? Delia, is that you in here? She saw him on his hands and knees as soon as she reached the door. He crept an inch or two towards her, all that he was able, and she saw his horribly swollen leg and his one open eye shining with hope. A surge of pity too strong to support bore her away from that eye that must, could not fail to see the tugs. He would see the lamp. Orlando with its doctors was too far. She could scarcely reach the chinaberry tree where she waited in the growing heat, while inside she knew the cold river was creeping up and up to extinguish that eye which must know by now that she knew.